countdown tonight, we want to get back to where we were, and that is Revelation, the 17th chapter. Revelation, the 17th chapter. Amen. I want to do some catching up on tonight. Um, as I say, last week, we did not have Bible class because of our early Thursday morning uh, Bible class on Thanksgiving. So it's been a while. And I even had to uh, kind of get my mind back around where we were last time myself. So we're recapping just a little bit. Uh, so we're focusing on this woman. Uh, this woman in the chapter uh, 17 of Revelation. All right. This woman that is a beast and she's riding a beast. All right. Uh, she is the bride of Satan. Uh, she wants us to believe that she's the bride of Christ. Uh, and uh, the, the dangerous thing about it, if you're just a religious person, uh, you're going to love this church. You know, people, they, they you move into a, a neighborhood and, you know, they're just religious. And, oh, there's a nice church down on the corner. Let's go down and join that church. Well, what kind of church is it? <laughs> What do they teach down there? You know, there's a lot of people that are just religious. Oh, we all serve in the same God. We're all going to heaven. And that could be the furthest thing from the truth. All right. So this is a church that wants us to believe that she is the bride of Christ, but she is the bride of Satan. Amen. Uh, more importantly, she is a prostitute. The Bible describes her as the mother of harlots, and she teaches others uh, to be prostitutes as well. All right, so our focus, and we're refocusing on tonight, um, as she's described in uh, Revelation uh, 17 and verse 5, uh, mystery. All right, the angel told John, why did you marvel? I'll show you the mystery. All right. Uh, this Babylon, great Babylon, the great, this religious system that is riding on the beast, the governmental system. All right. As we have said before, chapter 17 deals with the destruction of the religious system. All right. And 18 deals with the destruction of the governmental peace. They are both Babylon. Amen. And I'll remind you again, what is Babylon? It's man's futile attempt to do anything without God. I don't care if you if you have a marriage and you're not uh, trusting in God, it's Babylon. <laughs> if you're the head of your home and you're not bringing God into that situation, it's Babylon. Come on, somebody. Uh, we talked about how this thing uh, began way back in the beginning. Amen. Uh, Nimrod back in Genesis uh, the 11th. Now remember, 11th chapter of Genesis, remember, uh, they built a city and a tower too. All right. And that's what we're dealing with right now. All right. The city was the uh, governmental piece and the tower was the one, the, the religious piece that was supposed to go up to heaven. Amen. And what are we dealing with now? It's Babylon. You all remember Daniel's dream, the statue? Uh, we had Babylon, we had Persia, we had Greece, we had Rome, and then we had the revived Rome or the resurrected Rome. 
All right, if the head of it is Babylon, guess what? <laughs> the whole thing, all of the false religious systems that have existed since the beginning of time, God is dealing with them and bringing them to a conclusion right here in the book of Revelation. Amen. So it's all Babylon. It's all a false um, church system, a false governmental system that are working together and they are doomed. Anything that you attempt without God, it is doomed from the very beginning. All right. So let's study this mystery, this Babylon the Great, uh, this false church. And I'm giving you a lot of things that you'll hear um, as people talk about uh, this uh, particular passage of scripture. Uh, she's described as mystery. She's described as Babylon the Great that goes way back to um, uh, uh, Genesis, uh, described as the false church, the false prophet, all right, the false church system. Amen. All of these things are describing uh, Babylon, all right? Now, we understand and know that all churches are not created equal. And certainly, uh, we don't want to be that uh, religious individual that I'm talking about. Amen. God said that we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a set-aside people. We're not just religious people that, you know, we just go for anything. Oh, no. We're a set-aside. We're reserved for him. Amen. And if you're just a religious person, you'll be fooled. You'll be fooled by this particular church that we're studying on tonight because Revelation 13 and 11 said it looks like a lamb. Amen. It looks like a lamb, but it speaks like a dragon. They think that they're following Jesus, and that's why it's so important. It's so important that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So if you're just a religious person, you're going to get caught up by this church, all right? So we will focus on the woman, and throughout the Bible, we know um, the Bible um, uh, pictures a woman as the church. Uh, we are the bride of Christ, are we not? I believe it was John that said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and so he's coming for his church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So we are the bride of Christ. And just as in anything else, uh, there's good women and there's bad women. <laughs> there's good churches and there's bad churches. All right. We are the bride of Christ. But what we're studying in Revelation 17 is the bride of Satan. Looks like a lamb, but she is a prostitute. All right. And we have uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2. He said, for I am jealous over you uh, with a godly jealousy. Why? For I have espoused you to one husband, all right, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I'm jealous of you, amen, because I've espoused you. Come on, somebody. My God, we're going through a wedding a ceremony Amen. There's going to be a wedding feast. We're preparing ourselves right now uh, for that great day. All right. He said, I have a godly jealous, uh, jealousy of you 
because I present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. All right, but Satan's woman or bride is a whore. That's how the Bible describes her. She is a whore, amen, and certainly we have it already prophesied from way back when, Zechariah. Um, you all remember when he was awakened to see a woman that was inside the ephah. That was Zechariah 5 and 6. All right. Uh, the angel told him to wake up, Zechariah. I want to show you something. And, uh, and uh, Zechariah asked, you know, well, what is it? He said, it's an ephah. All right. And there was a woman that was placed in the ephah. And he told Zechariah, this is wickedness. This woman represented wickedness. He sealed the ephah and the angels began to take it away. And Zechariah said, where bearest thou the ephah? He said to set it on its own base in the land of Shinar. Where is Shinar? Babylon. Way back in the beginning, Babylon. And Zechariah had the vision. He said, it's coming back. Amen. We have not seen the last of Babylon. Amen. So we saw it in the beginning. It's Nimrod. I will rebel. The original Babylon. We've seen it through in all the empires of the uh, statue of the Daniel's dream, beginning with Babylon, beginning with Persia, uh, Greece, Rome, the revived Roman Empire, amen. It's the whole thing. It's Babylon, amen. So uh, we um, often say uh, we're part of that tree that we've been grafted in, and the Bible says if the root be holy, then so are the branches, and we rejoice about that. <laughs> well, if you think about it, if we're looking at, uh, think about that statue of Daniel in his dream, if the head of it is Babylon, then the whole thing is Babylon. Just the same. It's all a false church system. Amen. All right. So we know uh, physically what it means for a woman to be a prostitute and to sell herself. But we begin to go on the journey. What does that mean spiritually to be a prostitute? You know, most of us, we're familiar, okay, what, what a prostitute is, a, a woman that's not faithful. Uh, she sleeps for a fee or a price uh, with every man that comes along. But what does that mean spiritually? All right, and we're still recapping. We went to James 1, I'm sorry, James 4, 1 through 4. All right, James lets us know that we can be adulterous people. All right. Uh, what is a woman that a married woman that lays with another man? That's an adulteress. Amen. And he tells us we can be adulterers and adulteresses. Amen. Being in the body of Christ. All right. What did he say? From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that you war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your lusts. Amen. So what did he say? You adulterers and adulteresses. 
Know ye not that fellowship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore shall be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Amen. So what is he saying? Instead of acting like the bride of Christ, you're acting like a prostitute. Hmm. Well, what is the difference? <laughs> My God, one is from heaven and the other is from hell. One is the bride of Christ and the other is a whore. Amen. So it's so important. It's so important. Uh, uh, in Isaiah 54, when he told them to sing, O ye barren, uh, God had um, forsaken Israel for a season because of her disobedience. And he had to remind us that we're married to him. Matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, many times he reminds us that we're married, we're espoused to him. Isaiah 54 and 5 says, for thy maker is thy husband. My God, he's our husband. All right. The Lord of hosts is his name and thy redeemer. Who is he? The Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Amen. So I'm going through a lot of these scriptures and this is recap. And uh, just to help me out in my own mind as I go into this thing. Um, and you can go back and get the detail, a lot more of the detail in the previous lesson. All right. But we're just recapping right now. And I'm going through some of these scriptures, uh, kind of fast. Some of them I've even added so, uh, you can jot them down, but everybody should have your Bible. Everybody, everybody should have your Bible. This is Bible class. Amen. So, um, he is our husband. Amen. We are the bride of Christ. So we just can't go to any church. Amen. You can't go to the church that's closest to you. You got to go to the church that's closest to God. Amen. <laughs> My God. Uh, it, there's a difference. I don't want to be in a church that is a false church system. And if I don't know the difference, I'll go to any church. Come on, somebody. But this is where we are now um, uh, because that's where we, what we're learning, how to identify and know. Amen. He said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger, um, they will not follow. Now, we ask the question, does God like prostitutes? We see a lot of um, uh, references in the Bible to prostitute, uh, a whore, being unfaithful. Amen. And I want you to know that um, if we note in the Bible, God is able to use prostitutes uh, so she can become a woman that God can use. He, he, well, God loves everybody. Uh, let, let's just start with that. He loves everybody, but he hates sin. Amen. So God can use anybody. And we have scripture references where God has used those, amen, that were uh, prostitutes, and they're part of his family lineage. So we're, we're, we're doing this search and we're building this case. Okay, this, this prostitute uh, that we're studying, what does it mean spiritually uh, to be a prostitute? Can God use a prostitute? And we need to understand this is not about your past. This is about your future, amen? Amen. All of us have past histories. 
All of us have made mistakes. Amen. We have all uh, had our part. It's about genuine faith toward the true God. Who was that? Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So we went to Genesis, the 38th chapter, 24th verse, Tamar. Amen. It was Judah uh, that picked Tamar as his eldest son's wife. All right. And um, her, his eldest son displeased God and God uh, stroke it, uh, uh, struck him dead. Uh, so um, uh, Judah told his second oldest son, I want you to go in and raise up seed to your brother. Go into uh, Tamar, your brother's wife, and raise up seed unto him. All right, his name was Onan. He said he didn't, uh, he knew that he wasn't raising up seed to himself and he didn't want to raise up seed to his brother. So he spilt his seed on the ground and God was displeased and struck him dead. All right, so he told Tamar, listen, I got another son and when he become of age, I will uh, hook him up with you. I want you to go back to your father's house and be a widow, amen, for a season. Uh, but we're going to get this thing handled. Amen. And certainly the other son became of age and uh, never called Tamar, never let her know. Tamar found out and knew that he was going on a trip. Uh, he was handling his herd. Amen. So what did she do? She dressed herself as a prostitute. Amen. <laughs> My God. And uh, he propositioned her and she said, well, what are you going to pay me? Uh, and uh, she got some earnest money. Uh, she had his signet uh, that you used to sign documents with. She had his bracelet. She had his staff. My gosh, I, I almost sound like she stripped the man bare. <laughs> so uh, then uh, when it came time to pay, he sent his servants. He said, listen, I want you to go find this prostitute, and I want you to pay her off, and I want you to get my stuff back. All right. Uh, when they went and looked, uh, they, they didn't find a prostitute that looked like or, or fit that description. And finally, the word came back in Genesis 24. And it came to pass about three months after that. Uh, it was told you to saying Tamar, thy daughter in law, has played the harlot. All right. And also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be burnt. That's what we do uh, with prostitutes, amen, according to the law. Now, this prostitute that we're studying in chapter 17, she's going to be burnt. <laughs> uh, according to the laws of Moses, amen, uh, she should be stoned to death. That's another one of the ones we brought up. All right. Uh, but Tamar revealed unto Judah, now, wait a minute before you kill me, before you burn me. The man that got me present, uh, pregnant, uh, he, uh, this is his signet, uh, this is his bracelet, and here is his staff. And I know Judah was surprised, amen? And he actually said, you were more righteous than I was. I made a promise to you, and I did not keep it, amen? She was more righteous than I was, and God used Tamar. Uh, to birth the tribe of Judah. So yes, God can use those that have 
uh, played the prostitute, amen, <laughs> that have checkered past. We went to James, the second chapter, 25 through 26. Uh, Rahab was not judged by her name, but rather by her actions, amen? All right, James 2 and 25, this is recap. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. All right, Rahab the harlot had genuine faith. When the spies came in, she said the men's hearts are as, as water. We've heard what you all, you all's God is going to do uh, for you. We believe in your, I believe in your God. I've heard what he can do. Come on, somebody. My God, and she made a deal with the spies. Amen. And she hung out the, uh, the scarlet line in the window. She told them when they came to look uh, for those spies, uh, she said they went the other way. Come on, somebody. So it was not her background or what she's called. She's being judged by her actions. Come on, somebody. My God. So God, he honors genuine faith. She believed in the God in whom they served. All right. This is going to be important because as we examine uh, this great whore in Revelation 17, Mystery Babylon, although she claims to be the bride of Christ, she looks like a lamb. Come on, somebody. Her actions prove otherwise. All right. So it's going to be by our actions. Uh, that we're going to be judged, not what somebody calls you, amen, and certainly, uh, as I have said before, you know, we're going to have to drop those things that we know about one another when we get over there uh, into heaven, uh, you might be whispering and say, hey, there's uh, Rahab the harlot, <laughs> she said, hey, you're Avery the fornicator, you're like, hey, now what, hold on now, <laughs> So it's not by our past, what we used to do. It's about our future, our actions. Amen. Uh, you know, a lot of times we say, well, I'm a saint of the most high God. Well, let me, I don't need to hear it. I need to see it. Amen. I'm going to judge you by your actions. You shall know them by a, the, the fruit that the tree bears. Amen. All right, 2 Samuel 12, 24 through 25, Bathsheba, another woman God used to birth Solomon. All right, 2 Samuel 12, 24 and 25, and David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedediah because of the Lord. Come on, somebody. You all, we all know the story of David and Bathsheba. David should have went to afternoon service. He sent them on into the battle. Amen. And couldn't sleep at night. And he saw Bathsheba taking that shower up on the rooftop. He had to have her. Come on, somebody. My God, and um, what do we call a married woman that uh, lays with another man? She's a whore. She's unfaithful. My God. 
Uh, and that first child that they had, and you know the story, they had Uriah killed. The first child that they had died. And I didn't take the time to research it to find out, but you know, that might have been the first child that they had uh, out of wedlock. But now David repents and marries Bathsheba. Uh, she's his wife now. Amen. All right. And the scripture said he comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her. And she bare a son and God blessed it. And he called the uh, he called the name Solomon and the Lord loved him. Come on, somebody. And sent by the hand of Nathan, the prophet gave him a, a, a nickname, Jedediah. Come on, somebody. Uh, because of the Lord. So God used Bathsheba to birth the next future king. Come on, somebody, an heir to the throne of David. Amen. So David repented. Amen. He repented. Uh, we went to 1 Kings, the third chapter in the 16. You all remember the harlots. Both harlots were in uh, the bedroom together. They both had children. One uh, they both went to sleep and at night, and that's when the devil does his stuff. Uh, one overlaid their child and the child died. All right. And what did she do? She took her dead child and put it with the other harlot and took, uh, the other harlot's live child and claimed it as her own. And they're both standing before Solomon saying, this is my child. She took my child. But guess what? God, uh, we know who the true mother was because of her compassion. Come on, somebody. And her faith in knowing that, you know, I don't want my child to die, but I know God knows. Solomon said, listen, bring the child here. We'll cut it in half. The mother said, no, let her have it. But the, the true harlot said, no, I'm, I'm willing to take half a child, cut it in half. And all the people feared. Because they saw the wisdom of Solomon. Don't bring no uh, crazy cases before Solomon because God has uh, given him wisdom and know how to go in and go out. Come on, somebody. My God, she had true faith. Amen. She had compassion. Hosea, the third chapter, one through three. You all remember Hosea? I want you to go get yourself a what kind of wife? A whorish wife. My God. And uh, after the deed was done, uh, God told Jose, I want you to go redeem Gomer back. Come on, somebody, and tell her how much that you love her. My God, now that's something, <laughs> uh, that is something hard for a man to do. I want you to go back, go buy back your adulterous, unrepented wife and continue to love her. Come on, somebody. And Jose, uh, that hurt that you feel, I want you to tell my people. I mean, he loved Goma. Come on, somebody. My God, he loves us. But many times we play the role of the harlot. Come on, somebody. My God. And um, uh, Goma had to go out and support herself. Uh, she had uh, become, uh, sold herself into uh, slavery and had become a mistress of another man to support herself. Amen. And Gomer had to, Jose had to go back 
and buy her back. And he bought her back for just 15 pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Come on, somebody. She wasn't of no value to nobody but Hosea. My God. Uh, I was sinking deep in sin. Come on, somebody. I was far from the peaceful shore. Come on, somebody. Wasn't nobody going to rescue me. I wasn't worth anything. But the master of the sea, what did he do? He heard my despairing cry. And from the water, he lifted me. Come on, somebody. He redeemed us. My God, out of a life of sin and shame, we was of no worth to nobody but him. But he bought us back. He looked at us and saw us in our wretched state and said we were worth it. Amen. John 8, 3 through 5, the woman that was caught in the very act. Come on, somebody. We caught her in the very act. Now, what sayest thou? According to the laws of Moses, Jesus, um, she should be uh, stoned to death. She is an adulterous woman. Amen. So the moral of the story is we all deserve death. Jesus said, all right, you that are without sin, you cast the first stone. Nobody was qualified. Come on, somebody. What was the key? Repentance. Amen. She's, he said, woman, where are thy accusers? She said, I have none. Now, he could have held, he's, he could have held her responsible, but he said, neither I. Go and sin no more. My God. And every one of us, nobody qualified to throw the stone. We're all, we can all be adulterers and adulteresses and play the role of a spiritual prostitute. And that's what we're, we're hunting after. What does it mean spiritually to be a prostitute? Come on, somebody. My God. And God, it doesn't matter about your past. It matters about your heart. Amen. All right. So this harlot that we are studying in Revelation 17, she does not want to repent. Come on, somebody. She thinks it's just fine and there's nothing wrong doing what she's doing. Come on, somebody. She will tell you, you're not doing nothing wrong. There are churches that you can go to and everything is accepted. Oh, honey, the Lord loves us. He understands you're all right. You continue in your sin. You keep on in your mess. God said, listen, don't say you belong to me and you sleep with every Tom, Dick, and Harry you come in contact with. Come on, somebody. My God. When we think about it in our own uh, situation or our own cases, I don't invite men over to my house to uh, use my wife. <laughs> my God. Uh, what, what kind of sense does that make? Uh, I wouldn't accept a wife that told me, honey, I love you, but I want to go out and uh, please other men. And you say, oh, well, that's just how she is and uh, she's just like that. I don't think so. <laughs> That's spiritual prostitution. We're talking about physical prostitution, but it's the same thing spiritually when we turn around and serve other gods. Come on, somebody. My God, it's spiritual prostitution. When you say you love him, 
but you want to go out and serve somebody else or catch this, you want to serve yourself. And that's probably what a lot of us are guilty of, putting ourselves before God, all right? You don't belong to yourself anymore. Come on, somebody. We were just like Goma. We've been bought with a price, amen? We belong to God, all right? But this harlot that we're studying in Revelation 17, she is going to be destroyed. She's going to be burned with fire, amen? Uh, and certainly, uh, any time that we want to have a relationship with God, amen, repentance, amen, having faith in God. Amen. Having true uh, faith in the genuine God. Say God can use a prostitute. He's ain't, he ain't concerned. Uh, they're in his lineage. Rahab the harlot, Tamar, they're in his lineage. <laughs> My God. Oh, yeah. We all have our mistakes. But what? Repentance. Repentance is key. Amen. But this church that we're studying in Revelation 17 is an unrepented church and will tell you, baby, everything is okay. My God. All right, now this is where I got a little confused last time because I called this scripture Matthew, uh, the 21st chapter of Matthew. If you all will turn with me. I read part of the scripture, then thought I was supposed to go to another scripture, but I just didn't read the whole thing. We want Matthew 21. Uh, Jesus tells the parable of the two sons. All right. All right. Uh, Jesus tells the parable of the two sons. Matthew 21 and 28. Everybody ought to have that. Let's pick it up. Let's read it. He said, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he did what? He repented and went. And he came to the second son and said, likewise. And he answered and said, uh, I go, sir, and went not. Whether them twain did the will of his father. Now he's talking to the chief priests and the elders of the church. All right. Uh, they say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily, listen up, uh, chief priests and elders of the church, I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Look at that. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe him. My God, the publicans and the harlots are going to go into heaven before you. Now, my God, you, now you talk about a contentious relationship. Jesus was talking to the chief priests and the elders of the church, uh, letting him know that publicans and harlots are going to go into the kingdom of heaven before you. Why? Because you are part of a false church system. Come on, somebody. You will never be saved. And that's one of the things of the false church 
It is unrepentant. It thinks it's all right. It's bold. Come on, somebody. My God, and will tell you, whatever you want to do, that's all right. So God is showing us that a false religious system will never make it into heaven. All right, false works, false faith. Amen. The Bible says, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Amen. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. And not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen. So you chief priests and elders of the church, I'll take a harlot before I'll take you. Why? Because you're part of a false church system. Unrepentant. All right? Now, this is where we're going to pick it up. Uh, Deuteronomy the third, uh, 31st. Deuteronomy the 31st chapter, verse 16. God told Moses, I know exactly what the children of Israel are going to do. Now, remember, Deuteronomy is just before they're going into the promised land. God told Moses, I'm going to bless them. Come on, somebody. And they're going to turn from me. Deuteronomy. The uh, 31st chapter, verse 16. Look what he says. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land whether they go to be among them and will forsake me, look at that, and break my covenant which I have made with them. My God. They're going to get over in that promised land. Come on, somebody. My God, they're going to forget the God that brought them. Matter of fact, Moses, when you are out of the way and there's nobody there to remind them, when they ought to be able to remind themselves and say, look where the Lord brought us from. Come on, somebody. How dare I do this in the sight of my God? He says, when thou sleep with thy fathers, this people will rise up and go whoring after gods of strangers of the land. They're going to be influenced by where I blessed them to be, the gods of the lowercase gods of the land. I, those are gods that you call on and they can't answer. Come on, somebody. My God. So Moses, they're going to forsake God in whom they claim to love. Why are they going to do it? They're going to forsake God so they can do what they want. They can go after what they want. They're not going to be willing uh, to just go into the promised land and please me. After they get into the promised land, they're going to forget about me. And it's amazing how many of us as Christians, we don't remember the God that have brought us from a mighty long way. Come on, somebody. 
My God. And what does God call it? He calls it spiritual prostitution. Come on, somebody. I was the one that brought you out by my mighty hand. I was the one that kept you along the way. I was the one that fed you. Come on, somebody, with manna for on high. And Moses, my God, they're going to forsake me and leave the God whom they claim to love so they can go after what they want. Amen. Now, we all can just think about situations in our life where God has blessed us, brought us out, delivered us, healed us. And after you got healed, come on, somebody, you forgot about him and you start doing what you want. He calls that spiritual prostitution. Come on, somebody. Exodus, the 34th chapter, 15 through 17. Look at this. Exodus, the 34th chapter. 15 through 17. God told them to not mix themselves with the world and to remain pure. All right. Everybody ought to have this Exodus, the 34th chapter. 15 through uh, 17. What does he say? Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go what? A whoring after other lowercase gods, and do sacrifice unto who? Their lowercase gods. And one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their lowercase gods, and thy sons go what? A whoring after their lowercase gods. Thou shalt make thee no molden gods. Amen. Stay away uh, from idols. Amen. Uh, what does a mother of harlots do? She raised up other harlots. I know somebody. That's what this false church is called. Uh, a mother of harlots. All right. After God has brought them out. Amen. Uh, and you know there wasn't nobody that brought you out but God. Amen. Everybody knew that God blessed you. Got you to where you were. Come on somebody. And when you got there. Look. Um. Let's go back to verse 10. And he said, behold, I make a covenant before all the people. I will do marvels. Look at this. Such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation and all the people uh, among which art thou art shall see the work of the Lord. Everybody around you is going to see the work of the Lord in your life. For it is a terrible thing, or it's an awesome thing that I will do with thee. When God places his blessing upon you, his anointing upon you, your parents know it, your teachers know it, your instructors know it, your professors know it, 
Your friends know it. Your classmates know it. Your teammates know it. Come on, your coaches know it. Come on, somebody. My God, he has made you the exception all the way. He said, I'm going to do an all, a terrible, that means awesome. I'm going to do an awesome thing. Come on, somebody. My God, for you. My God. And God said, as soon as the big contract come in, soon as you get recognition from the world, come on, somebody, soon as you get your big break, you act like you don't even know him. And you begin to serve other gods in those lands. Come on, somebody. My God, what does it say? Uh, the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods. And one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and they make thy sons go whoring after their gods. My God, after he did all of that for you, and now you act like you don't even know him. Come on, somebody. We ought to be shouting glad everywhere we go and tell somebody, look where the Lord has brought me from. My God, don't act like you, you know, God hasn't got you to where you are. Come on, somebody. My God, we knew how to pray when we didn't have nothing. But as soon as you get a little money, you get a little fame, get a little success, you act like you don't even know him. And you begin to treat God just like the world treats him. And the world disregards him. Come on, somebody. My God. I can remember the blessings that God has placed upon my life. And, and I, I was like the songwriter. Jesus, I'll never forget what you... I remember where I came from. Come on, somebody. Just a poor little black boy from southwest Detroit. Didn't go to Harvard, didn't go to Yale, didn't have an Ivy League uh, education. I never forgot, even to this day, I haven't forgot where the Lord has brought me from. How much I owe, my God, for love divine. How much I owe. For Christ is mine. All right. First John 5 and 21. I, John. We're going to go all the way to the last part of that. A very important uh, message. I, John, 1 John 5 and 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Before you know it, you are committing spiritual prostitution. Come on, somebody. Don't put nothing before God. Not even yourself. Isn't it amazing how we can, we can get it up and we can do things for everything, yet we don't do nothing for God? Mm, can't come to church because you're bowing down to that car, God. You got to wash and idol it, wash and wax it. Can't come to church because you got to bow down to your house. You got a, a project around the house you got to do. You can't serve God. Can't do nothing for him. Come on, somebody. God don't give you things to take you uh, from him. Come on, somebody. 
He gives you things that you might serve him the more. And remember the God, come on somebody, uh, that brought you from simple things and have elevated you. He said, I've done an awesome work in your life. And then you turn around and act like and treat me just like the world. My God. And each and every one of us ought to say, look where the Lord has brought me from. Come on, somebody. Brought me out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. All right. So down through the years, we have gone through uh, some of these slides that I want to show to you right now. Um, uh, let me see. We have gone through uh, this slide, this uh, false church that we are uh, studying on tonight. We can trace this through history. Uh, there have been different uh, civilizations, empires have always worshipped some kind of goddess on top of a beast. We can trace this. Some type of woman standing on a beast. My God. Uh, this is part of our history. Amen. Uh, this is the queen of heaven. Isis. Egyptian uh, God. You have seen this before. Um, uh, who do we have? Ishtar, or Easter, in Persia and Babylon. They worshipped this woman standing on top of this beast. Always a woman standing on top of a beast. We're doing a little bit of history searching now. All right. Uh, what has happened in the past? Amen. And uh, eventually your past become your future. All right. Ashura, Middle Eastern uh, countries worshipped her standing on top of a beast. We trace this throughout all of Christian history. Uh, false church systems have always worshipped some type of goddess. Um, even back to Nimrod, his wife, and his son. Uh, she was the goddess of the sun. He was the goddess of the moon. And they worshipped her. All right. Uh, we can trace this all the way back. Uh, even, um, let me see, I went the wrong way. Uh, the Church of Satan. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, a goddess on top of a beast. All right. And now I want to show you modern day Europe. Modern day Europe. This is Europia, goddess Europia. All right. Uh, I believe this is uh, sits outside their uh, parliament building. I, I can't remember exactly where this um, monument is, but it is in, that's where you get the word Europe from Europia, the goddess, uh, Europia, all right? And I want you to know that uh, Europe is the continent uh, where the 
the church that we're studying uh, right now, this false church system. All right. Uh, Italy is the country. And Rome is the capital. All right. I, I'm building. I'm building it up now. This is this is how we get to where we are. All right. And if we bring it up to modern day history, now all of this uh, exists. This is modern day Europe. All right. They worship the goddess Europia. All right. Now that church system that's there that we're studying on tonight. Come on, somebody. How did we get to worshiping Mary? Now, any born-again Christian, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I really don't understand um, uh, how the uh, Catholic Church bows and kisses the ring of the Pope. I mean, in, in recently, even he had... Uh, sense enough to pull his hand back because of the COVID, uh, the pandemic that's going on in the land. But you have those that will bow down and kiss the hand of a statue. When you got the Holy Ghost, you say, I can feel him in my hand. <laughs> I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him all over me. How can I possibly believe the God that I serve is in a statue and I'm going to get down on my knees and kiss the hand of Mary. And if I pray to Mary, somehow I'm going to get absolution for my sins. My God. And um, it's... Um, it's amazing how uh, people can believe certain things and they don't have the truth. And I thank God for um, uh, my father um, in my studies. And as a young, a young uh, preacher, I was asking him, I was saying, well, uh, dad, uh, what, what books should I read? And, and, and what Bible should I study and what references uh, should I uh, lean upon? And he said, son, read them all. He said, read them all because you know the truth. Let your kids study Darwin's theory. <laughs> all of these uh, Socrates and let them study those things uh, and have a wealth of knowledge and understanding Teach them the truth and let their knowledge expand. So now I can teach somebody, come <laughs> on somebody, my God, about something that they're worshiping because I know the truth. Come on somebody, get the truth. Get the truth and then expand your horizons. Read all of them. Read all the commentaries. Read all the books. Come on, somebody. Fast facts about false religions. You need to know what other people are teaching and how to refute that in the scriptures. Come on, somebody. Anybody that has the truth, 
that been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost is not going to get on your knees and kiss the hand of a statue. He's in me. I'm going to kiss her dead hand. <laughs> My God, when I can feel him on the inside of me, oh no, I don't think so. My God, and each and every one of us, get the truth. Teach your children the truth. Amen. All right. We're coming back. Revelation. Let's go to Revelation, the 17th chapter. All right. We're just now getting to what we came here for. Revelation is 17, and I want to finish this tonight. I want to finish up Revelation uh, 17, and then we'll go to Revelation 18. We're dealing with the woman. There's some overlap here. There's something in here about the beast upon which she rides, but we're following the woman. We're dealing with the woman right now. All right. Uh, what do we need to know about this uh, false church? What do we have? All right. I was going to, we were going to read through the whole chapter, but we've done that before. We're going to dissect it. Let's go ahead and dissect it now. Uh, the first thing that we need to know uh, about this false church, uh, look at uh, Revelation 17 and 1. John said, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me, come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. My God. All right. Now, this seventh angel, he's pouring out the last of the vials, the seven vials. Come on, somebody. The wrath of God. We had the seven seals, we had the seven trumps, we had the seven plagues, we had the three woes, we had the seven vials. At the end of that seventh vial, we go right into the battle of Armageddon. But we're, we're here now in some narrative that John has given us that's happening, going on during that tribulation period. Now, when we left 14, I don't have no scripture to prove this. I believe we're reading events that are happening in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period because we saw those that were uh, caught up to heaven, all right? And we saw a reaping that happened in chapter 14, all right? But nowhere else do we see after 14 anybody being caught up uh, into heaven, all right, so I believe that we're in the last three and a half years of this seven-year tribulation period. All right, so this false church, this false religious system, this false bride, this prostitute, this whore, all right, she sits on many waters. What does that mean? All right, well, let's go down to Revelation um. 17 and 15. All right. Drop down to verse 15 and he lets us know. And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are what? Peoples, multitudes, 
and nations and tongues. All right? So the first thing that we need to understand about this false church, that it has multitudes of people that belong to it. It exists in every nation. It exists in every country. It speaks every language. <laughs> uh, you can be in that church, an English-speaking church, a Spanish-speaking church, a Latin-speaking church, a Greek, Hebrew. I know somebody. It's available in every language, and it contains all colors of people. Black, white, Mexican, Spaniards, all kinds of people. She sits on many waters. All right, Revelation 17 and 2. What is the second thing we need to know about this church? What does it say here? With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Amen. Whom whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. All right. Governments of this world are happy to work with this false church. Amen. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. All right. Um, I was thinking back as I was doing this studying, trying to figure out, uh, many times we have put together a, a 501c3, uh, separate from the church. Um, uh, Carmen, my sister and I, uh, trying to get grant funds, uh, monies, whether they come through the state and funded by the government or they're funded by the government, you know, to, uh, get grants to, um, put on after-school programs, uh, uh, tutoring programs, uh, latchkey uh, programs uh, for kids and can help them with their homework. We had all the classrooms, had the computers and all of these things. Uh, we never could get funding because what uh, the big boys didn't get, the uh, I'm talking about the big, big boys, uh, the city of Ann Arbor uh, was uh, soaking it up in there. They would create uh, 501c3s and, and they would apply for this uh, grant money. But I, I began to look like right down the street on Packard. Anybody ever seen Catholic social services? <laughs> Do you know what Catholic social services are? If you uh, drink too much and you got to go to Alcoholic Anonymous, you got to go to Catholic Social Services. If you uh, abuse your wife and, and you need to have some counseling uh, because you're an abuser, you got to go to Catholic Social Services. Uh, if you get mad on the road and, and you are experiencing road rage, uh, and you need to a uh, uh, class, uh, some counseling to deal with that. You need to go to Catholic Social Service. Have y'all seen that building? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's second to none. 
It is second to none. It looks like uh, one of Michigan's social services buildings. I mean, it's, it's well decked out. My God, and when we look at uh, the definition of this church, we're not, we're talking about something massive, all right? Uh, this is a massive church system that exists everywhere. It's all over the world. It has um, political power. It has huge systems of control. Um, it can claim lots of members, it is accepted and works with governments all over the world on various different levels. Come on, somebody. And as you begin to study and look and dissect uh, this chapter in 17 of Revelation, uh, it's obvious. It's very obvious who this church is. And as a matter of fact, if you just read back 500 years in church history, all of the old uh, uh, church uh, framers, um, uh, Martin Luther, John Knox, John Wycliffe, uh, John Calvin, uh, William Tyndale, our own apostolic fathers. I've heard this uh, taught by uh, Bishop Ellie uh, Brisbane, uh, Bishop R.P. Paddock. They all point to the Catholic Church. I'm on somebody. My God. It is very, very obvious. And that's all you have to do is just read church history. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. And so these all early reformers, uh, they had decided that they were going to bring people out, bring about reformation and bring people out of this false church system. All right. In that false church system, you never will be saved. Mary didn't die for your sins. You can never be saved praying to Mary. My God. How is Mary going to show up and bring you out of this situation and bring you out of that situation? Come on, somebody. Somebody said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's only one name given unto heaven among men whereby we must be saved. What is that name? Is not Mary... How do people get caught up in these false church systems? Come on, somebody. All right, Revelation 17 and 3. This is the first time. There's two times that John is carried away in the spirit. He used this, so I, he carried me away in the spirit. And each time he saw a woman. One was the false woman or the false bride. And the other was the true bride. And we'll get to that. All right. So he says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Amen. All right. So having the seven heads and the ten horns, this is talking about the beast. 
upon which she rides. Now, we're not going to get into that tonight. We'll get into that uh, when we get into chapter 18, which we're going to finish. Yes, we're going to finish this on tonight. All right. Uh, but let's go look at Revelation uh, the uh, 17. Let's go down to 9. Verse 9. And it says, um, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. All right? If we go down, it says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. So the Bible is going to send us on a search. Here we go again. Come on, somebody. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. All right, here is the mind of wisdom. My God. All right, I got a slide I want to show you. If you do a Google search, if you do a Google search and uh, search um, uh, what did I put in? Um, seven, the city that sits on seven hills. Uh, do that search. The city, or do the, the city of seven hills. All right? If you do the city of seven hills you'll find out that that is wrong. As a matter of fact, uh, just about every Google search when you do a city of seven hills is going to take you to Rome. It, it is very, it's common knowledge, but when people look in the Bible and they see and read verse uh, uh, nine, it's not so common. And here's the mind that uh, which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman set it. All right? And we know this city, um, this it's the uh, capital, well, it's Italy, but the capital is Rome, and that's where the church, the Catholic church, um, is located. It is headquartered. All right? And this is a worldwide church. Amen. It's in every place, every country, every nation. Multitudes belong to it. Uh, all races of people, all colors of people are part of it. All right. It is also the place of the seven kings. Five are fallen, but we'll look in, into that later. All right. So this is that worldwide in every nation, all political organizations work with it at some capacity or another. It has a massive membership. Uh, what church does that sound like? Sounds like the Catholic church to me. All right. What does um, verse 18, let's go down to verse 18. 
And the woman which thou sawest is the great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. All right? Now, um, the woman which thou sawest is that great city, we know that's to be Rome, which reigneth over the kings of the earth. All right, now, when John wrote this, um, in on the island of Patmos, who was the city or who was the regime that was in control? It was Rome. <laughs> we'll say, well, why didn't he just say it was Rome? Well, you know, all the letters that John sent out were being censored. Come on, somebody. And I, I believe John wanted to hold on to his head. Uh, so he used this uh, um, terminology that it wouldn't be, you know, easily uh, transcribed that he was talking about the people that was actually holding him captive. All right. And the woman which thou uh, sawest is the great city which reigneth over all the kings of the earth. All right. So it was Rome was known as the great city that ruled over the seven kings. All right. Now, remember, Rome is the fulfillment of Babylon. Remember Daniel's dream, the statue, the head was Babylon, go all the way down to the legs. It was Rome and the feet was what? The resurrected Rome. All right. So it is the fulfillment of Babylon. All right. It's all one statue. It's all one big false religious system. All right. Let's go back up to Revelation 17 and 4. Let's take a look at some of these uh, description that uh, John uses, the things that he has seen. He said, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. My God. All right, so she was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup, and what was that cup full with? The abominations of her filthiness and of her fornication. All right, now um, I want to show you, actually uh, it's already there, I'll go to the next slide. <clears throat> uh, this is St. Peter's Basilica uh, at Vatican City. This is in, in Rome. This picture was taken on November 28th, 2020. The Pope uh, had just elevated, and I, I use this picture because they have their masks on, so you know it's current. <laughs> the pandemic is everywhere. Uh, the Pope elevated 13 new cardinals, all right? And the cardinals are the closest to uh, the Pope, and that's their color, scarlet, all right? 
Uh, you see their scarlet uh, robe and they have gold around their necks. We have uh, scarlet, uh, purple, and gold. All right. Now, I, I want to show you these are the 13 bishops that were just elevated uh, last month. You see the scarlet color that was actually, um, it's supposed to represent blood, but you know, blood is really not red. Um, depending on how much oxygen is mixed in with it, it's, it's not, a, it's really not a deep red. This is a red. These are the, the men that are closest to the Pope and are wearing scarlet to represent blood because they are willing to die for the church. All right. Uh, let's look at this. Uh, these are the cardinals that have been elevated to a bishop. They are adorned in the purple. Now, um, the Pope, when he uh, gives a designation of cardinal, most times he has that individual elevated to the office of bishop as well. But just because you're a cardinal does not mean uh, that you're a bishop also. All right. So they have two, those that are uh, bishops and cardinals, they'll have both robes. Those that are just cardinals, uh, they will have um, the, um, the scarlet color. So from the left to the right, you have a bishop. He's, he's a cardinal, but he also has the office of bishop. You have a cardinal that's in the scarlet red. And then you have two other bishops that are in purple. Gold is around all of their necks. Now, I haven't had time, um, but if you would examine those cross, those crucifixes that they have, uh, many of them are encrusted with rubies, <laughs> pearls, diamonds, uh, depending on, and I haven't done a, a search as to uh, which of those, what that means. All right, with each one of those stones. But if we look back at Revelation 17 and 4, he said, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls, all in those crucifixes. All right, this is talking about the Catholic Church. And she has a cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. All right. Everybody uh, see what we're talking about here. All right. Let's look at uh, Revelation 17 and 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great. Who is she? The mother of harlots. What does a mother of harlot do? She raises up other little harlots. Amen. And abominations of the earth. Uh, that cup is full of the abominations we saw in um, uh, verse 4. Referring to that cup in verse 4, it's full of the abominations of the earth. All right. Uh, the Catholic Church, what is it saying? The Catholic Church is allowing stuff to happen uh, within the church that is an abomination before God. 
That cup is full. It is full of the abominations. Come on, somebody. Things that they are allowing to happen in the church that are an abomination. Now, this is supposed to be, um, uh, if we go back into church history, the Catholic Church started out as an apostolic oneness church. And we have it uh, on record, and many of them still believe that uh, Apostle Peter, <laughs> Pope Peter, was their first Peter. And what did he say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. What? For the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you, unto your children, them that are far off, and as many as thy Lord our God shall call. But through false doctrine... Come on, somebody that crept up into the church. Somehow, they got to worshiping Mary. Come on, somebody. Um, massive gross immorality is happening in the Catholic Church. Now, we ain't just picking on the Catholic Church. Now, we know... Um, uh, a lot of things happen in a lot of churches. Uh, but this is happening on a mass scale. I, I have run into a young lady um, that I know personally that have shared with me uh, that came up in Catholic school. And she was abused as a child right in school by her teacher. All of the, a lot of these things go unreported. Unreported. Um, I was up one night and I was watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Um, and it was this, this beautiful um, young lady. She was Catholic. Before she went to uh, work, she decided to go by uh, and give confession went into the confession booth and gave her confession to the priest, uh, probably told him some, you know, salacious, hot, steamy story. <laughs> uh, and, and this priest just couldn't contain himself. I know somebody. Uh, he came out of that uh, booth, uh, raped her, killed her, uh, strangled her and, and buried her body. Uh, in a, uh, a wilderness, uh, this came a cold case, and they went back and, and started doing research. Found out, you know, the last somebody saw her alive, she went to. She said she was going to confession, then she was going to work. She never made it to work. They went back to the church and did a background check on this priest. He has had issues at the previous parish. I know somebody, my God, um, wasn't dealt with. They swept it under the rug, sent him to this parish. He raped this woman, killed her, strangled her, left her out in a wilderness. They swept it under the rug and he moved on to another parish. He was doing the same thing now. And they finally caught up with him and uncovered. And uh, he showed them where he had buried her body. Come on, somebody. My God. 
this uh, massive gross immorality is happening, is happening uh, in this church. You all remember the scandal with the uh, altar boys. What kind of government, now the Vatican City, which is right there in Rome, now it's sovereign. It's its own government. Uh, uh, the Pope serves as both king and priest. Where did we hear that at before? Now you remember um, uh, Satan is copying God. Uh, it talks about, when we talk about in the scriptures, it says one whose name is the branch, he shall grow up out of his place. He shall serve as both king and priest. And they that are far off will come and build with him in the temple. That was Jesus. Well, in Vatican City, it's sovereign. It's its own government. Uh, the Pope serves as both king and priest. If you go there and visit there, I believe that the Pope could martyr you, and I don't think he'd have to pay anything. Uh, he'll put together his own uh, uh, court case. He serves as both king and priest in Vatican City. The government has allowed the Catholic Church to investigate itself concerning these priests and these little altar boys. That's a lot of political power. That's a lot. And it goes right back up to this present Pope right now. He's been found guilty of covering up. Well, we just go. Now, these young boys, they go on to be uh, rapists, murderers, abusive. Uh, they, it's almost like uh, PTSD. They're, they're traumatized, have ruined these young men for the rest of their lives. And many of them have come out and have spoken uh, uh, against the individuals that uh, was responsible for abusing them. Yet we still haven't got to the bottom of this mess. All right. Um, what does it say here? Um, and upon her forehead is the name written mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. My God, mass immorality is going on, taking place in this church. All right. Uh, first Timothy, the fourth chapter, we've read this scripture before, but I want to remind you first Timothy, the fourth chapter verses one through three says what now the spirit speaketh expressively in that that latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrine of devils, uh, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats 
which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. My God, what happens when a false church system tells a priest, a man, first of all, he's a man, tells a priest he cannot have a woman. And God said, I made the man for the woman and the woman for the man. What happens when you get into a false church system? Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, you tell a man he cannot have the comforts of a woman, which he's designed uh, to crave and desire. Come on, somebody. That's going to come out in some kind of way. My God. And certainly we have seen um, the result of it. All right. Now, just because your conscience is seared, uh, don't have nothing to do with me. <laughs> you got false church systems. Tell people don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, what does the Bible says? You know, anytime the church is telling you to do something and it cannot be backed up with scripture. It's a false church system. And what we're finding here in the Catholic Church is a systematic cover-up on the highest levels. Come on, somebody. Immoral, immoral activities that are happening by uh, the very ministers of the church that's supposed to be ministering God's word to God's people. That is an abomination before God. Hmm. All right, let's go to Revelation 17 and 6. Uh, she's responsible for the death of the saints. 17 and 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. All right. Um... Here's an organization that claims to be Christian. Come on, somebody. But throughout its history, it has killed Christians on a massive scale. Now, listen, you got to go back and, and uh, uh, get the history of the Catholic Church. Amen. We're not talking about just a few martyrs here and there or on some small scale. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people uh, that have been killed by this false church system. Amen. Now, uh, popes have killed uh, much more than uh, any Roman emperor has ever, <laughs> uh, has ever did. Remember somebody? Um, and it, when we think about even Herod, let's say uh, he wanted to find out um, where was Jesus? And he told the, the wise men, well, when you find out where he's at, uh, let me know. I'm going to come worship him too. <laughs> and then when the wise men, I guess they wouldn't have been so wise if they went back and told Herod what they had found. The scripture says they went another way. And when Herod found out he got fooled, 
he sent soldiers down to Bethlehem and killed all. Since he couldn't identify Jesus, he went down and killed all of the babies. Come on, somebody. My God, how many did he kill? But it's just a drop in the bucket compared to when you go back to the church history of popes, systematic murder of Christians over hundreds of years. Now, we've heard from these individuals. You say, Pastor, when did we hear from them? We heard from them in Revelation, the sixth chapter. Revelation, the sixth chapter. I thought for sure we were going to get through all of this on tonight. Uh, in the opening of the fifth seal, Revelation, the sixth chapter, verses 9 through 11, he says, um, you all have it. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Come on, somebody. These of Christians that have died in the early church, crying from up under the altar, those that were martyred for the cause of Christ, and many by the Catholic Church. All right, look, it says, and white robes was given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. A lot more people got to die. And certainly when we read, uh, when this group was gathered around the throne, there was a number that could not be numbered. The Catholic Church has a lot of blood on its hands. You think God is going to forget that? I don't think so. I mean, how did we even get here in the first place? When God was pouring out his wrath uh, in uh, Revelation, the 16th chapter, great Babylon came for a remembrance before him. Oh, he ain't going to forget. You may have forgot. But God is not going to forget, and he's going to avenge. Come on, somebody. He said, if you offend the least of my little ones, come on, somebody, you're better off having a millstone tied about your neck and cast into the sea. Can you imagine that? Uh, uh, a weight put around your neck and, and thrown into the... Uh, I was watching one case where this guy murdered uh, uh, two women tied them to a boat anchor and lowered them down into the ocean. Can you imagine anything worse than that? God said, you're better off having a millstone tied about your neck and cast into the sea than for me to come after you for offending the least of my little ones. Now we see this going on um, uh, in China. Now you can be a... Um, a Christian in China, but you got to go to the uh, state uh, the state church of China. All right, um, and why? Because that church agree with the government. 
They're cracking down. You cannot be a true Christian in China. You have to go and, and read and be taught by their Bible. They have taken the, uh, the book of Revelation out. Why? Because the false church hate prophecy. If, if, if the false church uh, taught prophecy, you'll find out that she's a prostitute and she's doomed. They don't want you to know that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. My God. So if you're going to be a Christian in, in China, you got to go to the State Church of China. Uh, there is the Russian Orthodox Church. All right. If you want to be a Christian in um, Russia, you can be a Christian, but you have to go to the Russian Orthodox Church. All right. Uh, it's a state church. Why? Because the church and the government are one. They're together. <laughs> That's what we're studying tonight. Uh, the church and the governmental system, they're together. They're all speaking the same thing. My God. And if you teach anything outside of the Russian Orthodox um, Church in Russia, you're subject to persecution and certainly uh, being put to, get, put to death, martyred. My God. All right, as long as you agree with their beliefs on marriage, politics, government, you know, you can do what you want to do. Uh, there's no repentance. <laughs> uh, you're all right. But if you start talking about prophecy, now the false church hates true prophecy. Um, and, and that's what that, you know, that's that Jezebel. That was a, a fulfillment of Babylon. Well, what does Jezebel do? She kills Christians. My God. <laughs> and um, who was it? Uh, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. Said, oh, no, Elijah. God is always going to hide. He's going to hide. As a matter of fact, when this wrath is being poured out, guess what? will be hid. He will snatch us out first. But there will be a remnant that will be saved. All right. Uh, let's go to Revelation 17 and 7. Um, and the angel said unto me, John found this church hard to believe, hard to digest. Wherefore did thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. John was astonished. He could not believe that anything that would call itself a church would turn out to be this. And if you just look at the church on the surface, it's kind of like those two houses. Uh, one was on the rock and the other one was built on the sand. I mean, from the outside, they look the same. And that's why we have to have a spirit of discernment. Amen. We got to know the difference between the bride of Christ and the bride of Satan. Just looking at it on the outside, it looks like a, a, a nice church and they're doing good works and so many good things are happening. Oh, no. When you dig up under the surface... My God, she's committing spiritual adultery, immorality, prostitution. Come on, somebody. 
Uh, and John was one of those uh, believers that wanted the church to remain pure. Amen. Uh, to follow Christ. And he could hardly believe that anything that looked like that could be responsible for the abominations uh, that are being committed before God. All right. To find out that she is a prostitute just stunned him. He couldn't believe it. All right. Now, there was a church back in Revelation, the second chapter, that uh, is close to this church and could be a pattern to what we're studying in 17. I want you to go with, back with me to Revelation, the second chapter. This church didn't have much going for it. I believe it's a pattern. pattern. It's an allegory. Uh, of the church that we are studying right now, which undoubtedly is the Catholic Church. All right, it was the Church of Thyatira. The Church of Thyatira. Let's go back to Revelation, the second chapter. <clears throat> and we're going to pick it up. In verse 18, Revelation, the second chapter, verse 18. And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, whom hath his eye like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more uh, than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. What kind of church will allow Jezebel to reside in it? And Jezebel is the fulfillment of Rome, <laughs> the Babylonian church. All right. All right. Which, what, look, she calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication. And isn't that what the, the church is described as a mother of harlots? What does a mother of harlots do? She teaches her children to do the same. All right, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her a space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Does God like prostitutes? Can God use a prostitute? Yeah, if they repent. This prostitute that we're uh, studying in Revelation 17, she refuses to repent. She feels she's all right. And she'll tell you, you're all right. All right. She repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts and will give unto every one of you according to their works. But I say un, uh, unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not 
This doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you uh, ye have already held fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Amen. I'm going to give him authority over the nations. And he shall rule uh, with them uh, a rod of iron. I will shepherd, he's saying, I will shepherd them with my sepulcher of iron. And the vessels of the potter shall be broken to shivers. Those that have been broken to pieces, the vessels that have been broken to pieces, uh, even as I received of my father, even as I received of my father and he raised me up, I'm going to raise them up and I will give him the morning star. Who is he? The bright and morning star. Let him that have an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Come on, somebody. This is a false church that tolerates Jezebel. And, and I know we're, we're done, uh, but I just want to give some points here and, and we'll start up next time. We'll, we'll have to finish this. This church, why would any church tolerate Jezebel? Come on, somebody. What else does she do? She teaches false prophecy. Hmm. My God, uh, the false church hates true prophecy. It kills true Christians. It hates prophecy because if you follow true prophecy, you find out she's not the true church and she's doomed. She's not what she's uh, uh, professing to be. Come on, somebody. Uh, she's Satan's bride. She is a harlot. All right, she teaches false doctrine. Why would a church teach something that is totally against the, where do you see in the Bible anybody worshiping Mary? Why would a church teach something that's clearly not in the Bible? Uh, she teaches how to uh, worship idols. Come on, somebody. Jesus told the woman at the well, ye worship, ye know not what. My God. All right. She allows immorality and adultery right in the church. And the last point, she has no repentance.